My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. My sermon title this morning is No Condemnation, and we'll be looking primarily from the text heard from the end of Romans chapter 7 and the first few verses of Romans chapter 8. But before I begin, I think it's, I think that the reading this morning is a powerful one, but I I think that the translation we heard read from this morning actually confuses things rather than uh, clarifies things. Um, the NIV talks about um, sinful nature, like we have a sin nature, and I don't think that's correct. We all as human beings share in human nature, right, which is what Christ takes on in the incarnation. We don't have a sin nature, we have a human nature, but our human nature has been marred by or distorted by sin and sin at work in us. And I think that merits uh, correcting, and it's, I think, one of the, the downsides of that particular translation of Scripture uh, when we talk about what we're going to be talking about this morning. And in a way, it's a continuation from what we heard last week, where we talked about, um, about life and death. And St. Paul says here very powerfully in Romans chapter 7, he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? It's interesting that St. Paul does not say that the body is bad. The Judaism of which he was a part and the Christianity that he became a part of after does not believe that our bodies are bad. That is a Gnostic idea imported into Christianity from other places. The body is not bad. The traditional Christian understanding is that the body is good. He also does not say that the body must be discarded. The body must be discarded. He's not saying that. That's also another misunderstanding in our day and age is that the body is bad and it must be discarded because what really matters is our spirit or our soul. And the point of the faith is that our soul can one day leave this, this earth suit, of, or some people might call this, or leave our bodies behind so we can finally be joined in some ethereal afterlife in heaven. But what scripture points to is our embodied life with God in Christ on a new heaven and a new earth. Our body is not something to be discarded. Our body is part of who and what we are. But what he does say is that our bodies must be delivered. Our bodies need to be rescued. He's not asking to be rescued out of his body. He's asking that his body will be rescued from what it has become enslaved to. So when Paul says body of death or flesh, right? It doesn't mean necessarily physical flesh. It means those who share in mortality and corruptibility, right? The effects of sin and death, born out in the body through what he calls in Galatians the works of the flesh. And he lists them in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. The works of the flesh are plain, immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
When he says party spirit there, he's not saying it's bad for you to have parties and get-togethers at your house. He's talking about people who divide themselves up into different parties in the church. And this is, of course, not an exhaustive list of the works of the flesh, but these works of the flesh are opposed to what he calls the fruit of the Spirit, which he lists in the next few verses in Galatians 5, to 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And these passages in Romans 7, the long debated, seem to me to be a description of the unregenerate person, right? When we talk about regeneration, regeneration is a term that's used in the New Testament to talk about our being recreated, right? About our salvation. Uh, I think it's the book of Titus chapter 3, right? Where St. Paul writes that he saved us or he, he regenerated us, not according to our own works, but according to uh, the washing of the water of regeneration through the power of the Spirit. Uh, Titus 3, 3 through 7. I'm, I'm mangling the quote off the top of my head, so please forgive me. But it's worth going home and reading yourself. We are regenerated through baptism. And so this description at the end of Romans chapter 7 is his description of himself before his conversion to Christ. And this is the state of the human person itself before the grace of Christ indwells in us. See, sin dwells in each and every one of us and has made us captive. Right? Sin is something that has defaced the human soul. It is something that has distorted us. It has distorted our desires. It has distorted the way we live. It distorts how we see God. It distorts how we see one another, which is why St. Augustine says right, that, that the, the goal of this life is the cleansing of the eye of the heart so we can see God. Sin dwells in each and every one of us. It is our fractured relationship between one another and with God. And this is at odds with him because even though sin dwells in him and in us, he and his people were given the Torah, the law, was a good, gracious gift from God. But the one thing that the law could not do, the Torah, could not impart the power to keep it. So the Torah, the law, was given to God's people as a gift, but it lacks in that it awakens the knowledge of sin, but does not give us the power to resist it. So what Paul's he's wrestling here with the law of God as his guide, but then also wrestling with indwelling sin. The, the good that I want to do, I do not do. And the bad that I do not want to do, that, that I, I do that. And then he says, who will deliver me? Who will deliver me? And if Romans 7 is pre-conversion... And a description of pre-conversion, and St. Paul is using his own inner struggle here as an example, then Romans 8, I believe we could say, is post-conversion, or are being regenerated by the Spirit, or to use another term, to be having been justified by faith, he'll say, we have peace with God. So there's a contrast here between life in and through the Spirit versus the body of death that we just heard referenced in Romans 7. And he ends, like with the previous chapter, who will deliver me? This seemingly despairing cry. But he doesn't leave it there. He immediately gives us the answer. Jesus Christ can. And he says in Romans 8.1, one of the most powerful verses in the entirety of the Pauline corpus. He says, there is therefore now no 
condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sit with that for a minute. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's so powerful. And we want to quickly add, you know, qualifiers, <laughs> right? That, that we often overlook the sheer gift of grace that this is to stand uncondemned and set free before God. That those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation for you. And this is so powerful and this is so liberating for us. You know, theologians, I think it's N.T. Wright, he talks about this. He talks about how there's no condemnation or, or are being justified before God. This, he calls this God's, eschat, I think it's right. He talks about God's eschatological now in the future, right? Being kind of brought into the present as something we participate in now. And eschatological, it's a big fancy word. If you came to Revelation class, you would know what it is. I'm not going to ask on you or Cindy, Joanne or Cindy to, to define it for everybody. But when we talk about eschatology, it's, it's things pertaining to the end, right? But it's God's pronouncement of, of being justified for us at the end of time, being brought back into the present as our experience now, that we live in and through as we move towards the future when the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. No condemnation for those in Christ. So how does Christ accomplish what the law could not do? St. Paul says in verse 3, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So God accomplishes this, what the law could not do, through the enfleshment of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. St. John Chrysostom says, For sinful flesh it was not that Christ had, but like indeed to our sinful flesh, yet sinless, and in nature the same with us. Which is important, which is why I stopped at the beginning of my sermon to note that the translation that we heard read from this morning is lacking here, right? Christ shares in our human nature, yet without sin. We do not have a sin nature, we have a human nature affected by and corrupted by sin. But Christ assumes human nature without that corruption of sin. So because he has not sinned and does not share in sin, sin cannot condemn him. Death cannot condemn him. Because he is the sinless one. Chrysostom continues, In this way then he at once unnerved its power, sin and death, and abolished the death by it introduced. For so long as it took a hold of sinners, it would just as kept pressing to the end. But after finding a sinless body when it had given it up to death, it was condemned as having acted unjustly. Right, so, so if Christ in his sinless flesh, right, as, as Chrysostom just noted a moment ago, like when the sinless one was given over to death, death and sin themselves are condemned because they have no right to him. Which then enables us, after we have been regenerated, right, by the gift of grace, by the grace of the indwelling Christ through the Spirit, that enables us to live out the righteous requirements of the law. Right, so, so then he says, those who live according to the flesh, as evidenced by the works of the flesh, will continue to lead to sin and death. And those who live according to the Spirit, as evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit, leads, he says, to life and peace. Life and peace. See, even after our conversion, we can live according to the Spirit, or we can live according to the flesh. 
And as I read a little bit earlier, the works of the flesh are evidenced by, you know, I read them all, immorality and all these other sorts of things. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. And I don't think we're ever going to get that perfect, right? So the Christian life is, is one where we are going to be constantly tempted to, to go back down the path of sin and death. Or living according to the flesh, which leads to sin and death. Which is why repentance is so important. Which is why confession of sin is so important. Which is why our worship together is so important. Where we receive the grace of Christ in the sacraments. And the rest of Romans 8 so powerfully lays out, so beautifully and clearly, the destiny of those who continue to live according to the Spirit. And you actually all have a homework assignment this week. I'm not going to test it on you next week. Maybe I'll just ask you, right? Your homework assignment is, I want you to go home. And I want you to read Romans chapter 8. And whatever preferred translation that you want. Uh, whatever. RSV, NRSV, ESV, whatever. Go home and read Romans chapter 8. And you'll carry on with St. Paul's argumentation. Where he talks about the destiny of humanity through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. So then, life in the Spirit leads us to eternal life in the age to come. And, and this is the rest that Jesus mentions in today's Gospel reading, right? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am lowly in spirit. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't say that we don't have a yoke. He doesn't say we don't have a burden. He says that his yoke and his burden is easy and it is light. But here's the thing. Sin, death, and Satan try to make their yoke, try to make their burden feel lighter than the yoke we take when we are united with Christ. And that's the power that sin still has over the human person. Because with sin, with living according to the flesh, there's immediate gratification. Living according to the Spirit is delayed gratification. And for some people, that delayed gratification will only be experienced in a life in the age to come. But there's this contrast here. So because sin and death, they can make their yoke feel lighter in the moment, it actually becomes an increasing weight, an increasing burden over us the longer we continue down that road. You know, it's, it's not completely... Well... Okay, I think this is a good example. So in the, in the story Pilgrim's Progress, right, the context of this is a little bit different, but the imagery, I think, is still very powerful. You know, in, in the book uh, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, you know, the main character, Christian, he's, he's carrying on his back. It's like a giant backpack, right? But it's like a giant stone or something like that. And that stone is, is meant to symbolize, you know, sin and, and death and all that stuff. And he has this overwhelming burden, right? He has to hike up the hill of, of Calvary, and then at the, at, the, at the foot of the cross, you know, he lays this burden down and he's able to walk free. And then the rest of the story is him basically trying to navigate the Christian life, being pulled into different places by different things. But I think that's a, an accurate picture, right? See, sin and death doesn't make it feel like the burden that they lay on us is, light, is heavy. They make it feel like it's light and easy, but it increases with weight the further down the road with that we go. But the yoke and the burden that Christ gives us that we freely take upon ourselves 
when we are regenerated, or we are made new, and increases or decreases, I think, in weight and in burden, the further down that road that we that we travel on. And the more we take His yoke upon us, the lighter it feels. As life in and through the Spirit leads us to life and peace. And there's no condemnation is a beautiful thing. No condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Right? So the sins of our past have been healed. There's no condemnation for us for the sins that we have committed in the past. There's no condemnation for us. We should feel no condemnation, I should say, because of that. Feelings of you know, self-hatred or inadequacy. That God somehow doesn't love us or could never love us because what we've done has been so terrible or so bad. But brothers and sisters, in Christ we are forgiven. And when we are forgiven, the condemnation of our sins past should have no power over us anymore because they have been healed and forgiven and dealt with. And the beautiful thing about this no condemnation that we have in Christ is that if as we confess our sins, St. John says, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, in the early church, confession of sin actually happened in, con in, in the context of the service. Right? It wasn't just that them being led in prayer together, but they would actually stand up and confess their sins one to another in the service. And then that develops over time then, instead of everybody standing up and confessing their sins in service, to confessing sins to the, 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 the pastor or the priest who would then pronounce absolution. And then as heirs of the Reformation, we, hold, we have corporate confession of sin together. Right, so present sin, there's no condemnation available for us, right, as we bring those present sins to Christ, as we lay them at his feet, as we confess our sins to him, he will forgive us and he will not condemn us. And life in and through the Spirit leads us to life and peace both now and forever. Through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit be glory and honor and power now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you are ever in the area, please join us for worship. We'd love to meet you. If you have any questions about what you heard, or if you would like prayer, please reach out to us on our Facebook page or our website, zionstoneucc.com. We also are raising funds for some repairs to our stained glass windows. So if you get a benefit from listening to this podcast, please head over to GoFundMe.com slash Zion Stone Church Repair Fund. God bless you and thanks for listening.